0: You are Locked On, Uh, Locked On, Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore fan. Today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. The easiest way to buy and sell tickets online is with the SeatGeek mobile app. Download it and use our promo code LOHornets to get $20 off your first purchase. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker.
1: Doug, there were several historical games uh played in America last night, but I would say none carried more weight than the Philadelphia 76ers at the Charlotte Hornets. None more.
0: None more. Uh no, absolutely. Yeah. But it was did you stay up late to to watch the game? To watch the the Cubs win the World Series? Spoiler alert you know, if you had that on your D V R for this morning. <laughs> oh!
1: Um yes, Doug, you and I were at the same game. Uh we have photographic evidence to prove it. Mm-hmm. And we even, we even socialized afterwards. We did. And then, yes, I did go home and uh, watch the end of the, of the world series. Is it? That's what they call the baseball championship. Yeah. I yep. watched that.
0: It was, it was uh, yeah, it was exciting. It was the only three innings of baseball I watched all year, but uh, it was a good three. It, it did have a rain delay. I thought that was funny. The only three innings of baseball that I watch all year happened to have a rain delay. Um but, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a fun ending to a baseball game and yeah I didn't go to bed till one o'clock so uh, bear with us as we as we trudge through this show. want to let you know we are part of the locked on podcast network, the fastest growing podcast network in these United States. your team every day and anytime you want. That's the important part, David whether you're going to the gym or going to work or coming home from work or settling down before your nightly routine, you can listen to this show. Anytime, anywhere, by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, just search Locked On Hornets and search for the whole Locked On network. So many podcasts, so many great podcasts. Panthers fans, you want to check out Locked On Panthers with host Steve Reed. And if you're an NBA fan in general, make sure to check out Locked On NBA with host David Lock. Lock started with the NFL and NBA, but with the excitement around the World Series, I can't imagine it won't you know, I don't think it'll be too long before we start expanding the Locked On podcast network into the uh, MLB as well. Okay, let's start in Charlotte David. We didn't take this I don't think we took this game seriously enough and and we seemingly never do. Uh, but the the Philadelphia 76ers always give the Hornets a scare early. The Hornets facing off against the 76ers without Joel Embiid, without Nerlens Noel, Without Ben Simmons, with Jalil Okafor on a minutes restriction, well, no problem. Uh, The Sixers came to play in the first half. Of course, David, it was Gerald Henderson in the first half, former Bobcat, former Hornet. Revenge game always in play when it comes to Charlotte. Henderson was 5-5 of in the first half, leading the team with 11 points. The Hornets completely out of sync on offense, and I think the frustration is, Ended up leaking into the defense as well. Eight turnovers in that first half. They go into the locker room down 53 to 46. But hello, third quarter, and hello, Nick Batum, who gets his groove back 17 points in the third quarter. The Hornets shoot over 72%, outscore the Sixers 39 to 20. They take an 85 73 lead into the fourth quarter. Never look back. Hornets win 109 93. Kimball Walker after the game said this This one came down to matching the intensity of the Philadelphia 76ers. You
2: know, they were just beating us on hustle points. So we just wanted to you know, regroup um, and just pick things up. And that's what we did in the second half. And we was able to you know, get doing it.
0: They, they got the win. And that's the important part, David, because they played it. they played the 76ers last night. They play the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, two games that this team should win heading into a home stretch that includes several very tough opponents. The Hornets now at three and one, they get the win. It wasn't as easy as fans would have liked. They didn't play as well as head coach Steve Clifford would have liked David, but they get the win.
1: Yeah, certainly not in that second quarter that you mentioned, Doug. I mean, that was as bad as I've seen them play this year. And that includes the Celtics game, which I thought that was pretty horrible all around, but you mentioned the defense, and, I mean, the Sixers were getting backdoor cuts. They were whipping passes around. Yes. Uh, the ball movement for Philadelphia was Charlotte-esque, I mean, and they were just getting beat on every, in every facet of the game in that second quarter. And, I mean, you could see the steam rising off of Clifford's head, you know, as they headed into the locker room. And the good news was, you met, I mean, that third quarter, Doug, that was maybe the wake-up call we've certainly been waiting for uh, with Nick Batum, but they went into the locker room, Doug. Okay, first half shooting, I, I, I leaned over to my buddy, Alan. I think it's safe to say now our, our buddy, Allen. Yeah, mutual um, buddy. Actual, we're actual bud. buds. Yeah, mutual buds. And uh, they're shooting 33% in the first half. And, and, and they rounded out to shoot close to 50% for the game. I mean, that third quarter, they were on fire. 39 points, I think. And they just really ended the game right there. But it's tricky with these games. I mean, the, the Sixers, their spirit has not been crushed yet, right? So <laughs> there's young guys out there fighting. And, uh, and Brett Brown always has those guys to play. Like, it doesn't really matter uh, beginning of the season, end of the season, whatever. Um, and, and you're right, they always give them a tough go. And so the Hornets weren't ready, and the Sixers were out there to, uh, to maybe try and get a win. And, and I can't imagine the, sec- the, uh, the halftime talk was anything you know below a, a dull roar
0: well, well, or, ta- or a yell I should say well I'll be honest with you Clifford talked about this after the game cuz they asked him you know what did you say to the team at halftime and Clifford said I didn't have to say anything you know that the, oh. the guys were all talking to one another saying this is not going to cut it you've got to, we've got to work harder we've got to play harder uh, so Clifford you know he he knows when to communicate with this team and when not to um, and, and you know I think everyone sort of expected Clifford you know because I got a I got an up close and personal look at Steve Clifford in uh, his frustrations uh, at least in the second half when things were good mm. <laughs> I saw him being frustrated when when they were up uh, Fifteen. So I can't imagine uh, being down there uh, in the first half when when things were going really poorly. Um, should I tell the story of how? So I got I got some decent seats for this game. I, I got sort of halftime. I
1: would say I would say you got some great seats.
0: Yeah, I was uh, right at center court, uh, just a couple of rows up. So I I was walking around the arena at a halftime, uh, searching out some delicious nachos, and uh, <laughs> two dudes, two bros walk by and they said hey where are you sitting where are you sitting i said uh you know my normal i told them my normal seats and he said well we got these two tickets they're pretty good seats uh we got we got to go to vegas what they said, do you want these seats i'm like uh, sh- sh- sure um but it was funny david <laughs> first of all it's funny they they just had to go to vegas they had to leave at halftime to go to vegas that's hilarious
1: i mean great great excuse
0: but when I told them, so we, we, our normal seats are on the lower level. And, and I told them the seats and it was almost, he was like, I wanted to give them to somebody nice, but he was like, it was almost disappointed that I, I think he really wanted to give them to someone in the upper level. And and he mm-hmm. kind of gave me this look like, all right, here, just, I, I don't have time to ask anyone else. Just take them. Um, but you know, I wasn't going to say No. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a cool view. And, and well, just, again, I'm just, when I get, when I have the rare opportunities to sit that close to the floor, I'm always looking at coach because it's just so right. interesting. He's so interesting to watch during a game that the front, the, 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 the moments of frustration that he has with certain plays or with the officials, it's just very interesting to me. And I saw Hawes uh, after those two straight turnovers that he had uh, get very frustrated. And it's just, sometimes you know just watching on television um or uh, you know it's it's tough sometimes to see the random bits of emotion on players faces um and, and you know i think sometimes you forget so these are human beings out there uh making mistakes that just like we do and pick up basketball and get frustrated with ourselves and emotion plays a, a huge key in all of these games uh, so uh very cool so vegas bro angels thank you for those seats uh, Godspeed! <laughs> I hope you I hope you put it all on red and and nailed it. So uh, Hornets next play the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn on Friday. We'll be there for that game. Uh, producer Katie and I going up to New York, uh, so we're going to stop in and see the Hornets play against Brooklyn. That tip set for seven thirty p.m. We'll have a preview of that game tomorrow with Locked On Nets host David Virtsberger, and I will be there in Brooklyn. So that's cool. We'll we'll do some picks, some vids. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Uh, for the latest Uh, have you heard the good news David the NBA season is back you finally have your league pass activated all is right with the Mm -hmm. world and all is right with SeatGeek SeatGeek is the smartest easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season I know that league pass is neat, David, but there's nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether whether it be you know in your normal seats or, or seats that a couple of Vegas Pro dudes have. Uh, courtside, club seats, upper level, the real fan seats, SeatGeek's got them. It's easier than ever with the free SeatGeek app, I have it on my phone. It's the only one I use because it tells me where the underpriced seats are. It's like a deal radar tracking down the best deals for you, saving you time and money. Best of all, our hardcore Hornets fans get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS. SeatGeek will send you twenty dollars after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L O today. It is another bad start for the Hornets. They were down nineteen to the Heat in the first half. They were down fourteen points to the Celtics in the first quarter, and they struggle out of the gate against Philly. They get down thirteen in uh, midway through the second quarter. And like you said, David. There was a lot of ball movement for the Sixers. Got to hand it to them. I mean, there are a lot of guys right yeah. now on that roster that are getting looks that they're not going to get when some of these players return for the Sixers. So mm-hmm. that's why they're playing spirited. Um, but they were free to move on defense. Or excuse me. They were free. They to were move, they were free they, yeah, they were free to move on offense. The Hornets' defense was not physical yeah. enough. Uh, but then, in oh, the, no. and then Reboard, in the second half, and... yeah, it rebounding was was obviously an issue we got a comment a we got a comment from someone on Twitter. Let me see if I can uh pull it up, but they pointed yeah, it was our friend Marion Marion tweets Cody Zeller got one one rebound. How is that possible? how uh thanks for the tweet Marion uh, <laughs> I don't have a great answer other than I will say this I mean you look at you just look at the box score. And uh, MKG had 13 rebounds. Marvin William, Williams had eight rebounds. So when you have uh-huh. two guys in your forwards who are excellent rebounders, Marvin Williams and MKG both outstanding rebounders, and they go after mm-hmm. them, it's going to take something away from Cody Zeller. Uh, so, yep. And, and they, had, they had bigs that were pulling Cody Zeller away from the paint as well. So I'm, And one rebound still, though, David, for a center that's tough. Uh, but I didn't, yeah. and he got beat in the in the second half. I thought, he got beat on a couple of rebounds. Um, so there there is obviously you know rebounding has not been Cody Zeller's uh, um, complete strength uh, since coming into the league. So it is something to watch. Uh,
1: yeah, Ilya Sova and uh, you know so to some extent Okafor and Covington. I mean, they have some big guys. I mean, Ilya is a big dude. Uh, but especially in the first half, they were just out working and out hustling kaminsky and zeller and anyone that was out there for the hornets um but yeah i mean i don't expect that trend to exactly continue but you're right with mkg out there i mean he was gobbling up everything in, in that second half so there weren't a lot of opportunities for other guys to get their hands on some loose balls so uh concerning for sure Marion. i'm with you on that cody's got it could have got to be a little more aggressive on those boards
0: all right, but we got to talk about the good. You mentioned it, and yeah. I mentioned it as well. Great wing play in this game in the third quarter. Nicola Batum, Marco Bellinelli as well. Nick Batum finishes mm. the game with 20 points, 7 of 15 shooting, 4 of 9 from beyond the arc. He was absolutely unstoppable in that third quarter, scoring 17 and really keying that second-half run. And we heard Nick Batum at practice on Tuesday say you know, that he needed to step up in Jeremy Lamb's absence, that Marco Bellinelli yep. would have to step up. Even Travion Graham may get a look, and he did in this game. Got a few got a few minutes, got a, well, a minute, got a minute of run. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was there. I, I see it. Um, it was there. But Nicola Batum certainly did that. Marco, let's uh, let's go with him, too. Four of nine, three of six from beyond the arc. We've seen Marco try to work a little mid-range game over the past three games, and it wasn't really working out tremendously well for him. But he ditches that, uh, gets some great looks. And they were really – I thought in the second quarter especially, the Hornets were doing some nice things to get Marco open. And my play of the game was in the third quarter when – uh, they sent Marco it looked like he was going to curl under the basket, and they did one of those um uh, sort of up screens where that it turns into a pin down very quickly and so it was sort of yeah. a boomerang cut so Marco uh sort of flares down towards the basket, gets under the basket, stops comes back around where a pin down screen set up, and he was wide open for another three pointer. Uh, I believe Nick Batum on the assist there and Marvin Williams on the screen. But, uh, you know, just things like that, working, getting Marco open so that he can get into a rhythm, that will be important, especially in Jeremy Lamb's absence. But uh, Steve Clifford talked after the game about what makes Nick Batum such a special player.
2: His decision making is so good, you know. So, I mean, I think when you watch players play, it all makes sense is when they are open, they shoot when they're not, they move it. And you know, that's the thing that he does is just such a, and that's the balance. And frankly, you're not teaching that. I mean, that's not because he had some good coach in seventh grade or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, that's that you watch guys play and they either have a feel for how to play or they don't, you know, and his feel for how to play even for this level is just so unique
0: unique and and definitely an asset on this team when you need you know you need good decision making because uh, this team is built on low turnovers and and in a year where I don't think the offense is going to be uh, as dynamic uh, you're really going to have to limit those mistakes limit those turnovers and and when you're open shoot and Nick Nick Batum yeah. definitely did that I thought David uh, one final thought on this game from me uh, I thought the first half I was like, you know, this is a time when a guy like Al Jefferson was very valuable to this team. Uh, there were settle it down. There, yeah, settle the team down. You know what I mean? Throw the ball in. Not you. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I didn't, I didn't think that down, was a, I didn't think that was a crazy hot take. Uh, no, I mean, you know, you could throw the ball into him and he would because you saw the frustration on their faces, and mm-hmm. and and it again it leaked down into the defense. Marvin Williams. Misses a shot, comes back on the other end, gambles on defense, trying to get the ball back. It turns into a layup for the Sixers. And it wasn't just Marvin, it was other players as well. And and uh that's that was a time last season where they would have set something up for Jefferson to get an easy bucket, settle everyone down, and and move on. And they don't they don't really have that option in this offense. They sort of they have to find a new way to get out of the quicksand. And luckily they had halftime, and luckily they were playing the Sixers. But I, I just worry, David, because how many times already this season? We're only four games in. Have I said to you, if this team were a, li- if the team that the Hornets were playing were a little better offensively, the Hornets would be in trouble.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I did think the yeah they shot better, of course. But to me, I mean, again, it all started with the defense in the third quarter. I mean, didn't you think so? I mean, they were just so much more aggressive. With their trapping hands in the and, corner and, and yep, yep, big time. I mean, NKG was everywhere, and so you know the Sixers scored what like fifty three points in that first half, and I think they were struggling for a while to to get uh, you know up above nine or ten for most of that third quarter. and up scoring twenty, but um, I mean they really suffocated them. And yeah, their shooting came on, but I felt like they really started some of that energy on the defensive end. Which again, Doug, I mean that's what we always talk about, right? So if they're not coming out with that intensity to start with, and they don't have the shooting, then they're going to keep getting into these holes. So I know that's something Clifford talked about, and I'm sure these guys know that. Um, but I also do think, right? As I said there was a layoff. It is the Sixers. I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves here. You know, when people look up and see the Sixers, uh, they may not bring their A game to start off with. So that's some of that complacency you don't want to see but i mean some of it's just human nature
0: all right let's continue this discussion david that we had on the bad hornets starts a reporter after the game asked head coach steve clifford hey if your guys know what to do if they all know their roles if they are all professionals and you as a team continue to have these poor starts to games what do you do and I thought that Steve Clifford had an interesting and honest answer. Let's take a listen to that.
2: Well, then what we have to look at is, you know, obviously it's play calls, you know, it's defensive coverages, and then are we starting the right guys? I mean, you know, if you play ten games and we're behind every first quarter, then obviously, you know, we're not starting the right five guys. Is what you have to look at. You know, the misnomer in Whoa. this league is when you hear people say, like talk radio, NBA is a fourth quarter league. Actually, by the numbers. Uh, I think last year the fourth quarter was the least important quarter. I think the first and third quarters are the most important. If you watch an NBA game, it's usually a first quarter league and a third quarter league. So getting off to a good start is absolutely critical, and uh, so that's what you look at. And I mean, again, though, you have to remember this is game four. I mean, you don't start messing with stuff like that. You got to let these guys play ten, twelve, fifteen games before you start making, you know, big adjustments and things like that. And the other thing with our team is, and this is an excuse, Cody played zero minutes in preseason. You know, this is like preseason for him. Roy's out. Uh, You know, Brian, he didn't play tonight, but Brian Roberts barely played in preseason, nor did he practice. So, I mean, you know, Frank's missed and like that. So, I mean, we're not even in our playing groups yet. So, I mean, I'm not going to be in a hurry to make any judgments about lineups and things like that.
0: So, Steve Clifford, after the game, responding to this question about well look if if everyone's doing their jobs and everyone's you know playing the game the way you want them to play the game but you still start poorly what do you do what do you think about that response david
1: i think it's hilarious because there's no way he's going to shake up that starting lineup that much i mean i mean he's got a point i guess but you know what i mean like what do you, what changes could he possibly make in the starting lineup that would be uh, yeah, based in reality. Well, here's I so mean, it, it's, here's spot.
0: why it's interesting to me because he does he does end up prefacing this idea of of switching the starting lineup, but he does it after saying that. Like he says, well, if that's the case, then you have to tinker with the the starting lineup. But then he says, well, but you know we haven't gotten to our playing rim, so we've time. got injuries. Right. We're only in game four. Understand that, okay? But he opened Pandora's box. So I want to talk. I, I want to talk about it because the the situation that the Hornets find themselves in is, and I think this is where the trouble is offensively, is that they can't play four out one in the same way that they did last season because uh, Cody Zeller has his range game has not developed. I mean his mid range game has not developed, and then wow. uh, MKG does not attempt a three pointer last night. In fact, only goes to a four. Uh, six points on the game was not offensively aggressive and the ball Mm -hmm. wasn't, wasn't finding him. Adi Joseph asked Steve Clifford about that after the game as well. And Clifford said, you know, his role is cutting. The first thing that Clifford said was not, you know, it was cutting and not three point shooting, which is, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of obvious because his three point shot, it has not developed. And, so you have now have two players on the floor that are uh, minimal threats to zero threat from outside the arc. And I think that if Jeremy Lamb, if this injury is longer than two weeks, if Roy Hibbert continues to be nagged by this uh, knee injury, then I think you do have to look at this lineup and go, OK, I've got uh, because here's the thing. He just said it first and third quarter very important to get out to a great start and to come out of the mm-hmm. locker room and get out to a great start. In my mind, that that means – or at least I would interpret that to mean offensively. And So whoever starts – we saw it with P.J. last season. Whoever starts doesn't necessarily need starter minutes. But if you can get out, spread the floor, and get out to a good offensive start that, and then come with your defense and lock things down – so I don't know. I, I think, you know, in my mind, you you have to find a way to get another shooter in there if, if these injuries linger and the offensive struggles linger. And so you would have to consider, I guess, I mean, I'm just looking at the just looking at the lineup. I mean, they've mm-hmm. already... They've, I have know where you're going. Well, yeah, but they've already started to remedy this a little bit, I think, by playing Ramon Sessions and Kimba Walker together more throughout the game. Um, but, I mean, Frank Kaminsky in for Cody Zeller... That's going to kill your mm-hmm. rebounding, though. I think yeah. you know Cody Zeller only one rebound in this game. I know, but there's a size and strength that Cody Zeller brings to the floor. So I look at MKG again. Really? He's well. Here's the thing: it's not. I'm not talking about a reduction in minutes or roll. I'm sure, talking sure. about getting off to a better offensive start. And so you look at bringing in, you know, if Lamb were healthy, possibly Lamb. The problem with bringing Marco in is that you're you're going to a switch Nick Batum. He's going to have to probably guard the best wing. That was the issue last season. Um, but it does provide that outside shooting. Um, you're 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 going to take a hit on defense, obviously. But again, this is more about getting off to a good start than it is about. Oh, well, you know, give all of MKG, switch the minutes, you know, 32 minutes for Marco, 21 minutes for MKG. No, that's not, that's not the, the move. Um, but I think it, it's something to watch if the offense continues to struggle coming out of the gate.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't you think he's going to, well, A, we know he's going to give it time because he said that, but don't you think he would first lean for the defense to be, you know, like gangbusters right out of the gate and, and that creates a more offense? I mean, that's kind of what they've been built on. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, certainly they have to be better, but
0: I'm here's, I, I mean, want to make this clear. I'm not advocating for this yet. I'm saying that he he mentioned, I mean, he mentioned it that that's, if, if the slow starts continue, then that's what you would have to do.
1: Um, it was surprising. It was surprising, yeah. though, right?
0: So I'm just sort of high, I'm did. just I'm just sort of like looking at the landscape and going, okay, what could mm-hmm. happen uh, if if you needed to address that? But yeah, I mean, I look over the the starting five, and you know, it's tough. If if Roy Hibbert's in there for Cody Zeller, it doesn't change things in terms of playing four out one in, but Roy Hibbert does things on the defensive end and in rebounding that yeah. can, can change the game in a positive direction and sort of counterbalance the fact that you don't have as much shooting on the floor. So it allow, I think it, it helps you get off to a better start. But I think with Cody Zeller and MKG on the floor at the same time, unless you are creating those turnovers and you are getting out into transition, then your offense is not going to be as efficient as the other team's offense.
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt, and it's you can. I mean, you can clearly see some of the frustration from Clifford. I mean, with a comment like that, I mean, this early in the season for him to even bring that up is, I think it tells you two things. I mean, I think he, his expectations are not being met. I mean, that, and that's a good thing because this group knows each other, and so he knows, you know, kind of what he wants to see. But also, he's clearly frustrated with with these starts, and he knows that they're not going to be playing the Sixers every night, as you mentioned. So, I mean, something's got to change, and. Um, I, I would think that he's going to let it play out, like he said. I mean, it's funny to think that they're, they don't even have their playing groups together yet, and, and these injuries uh, are causing a real problem with that. So they got to try and get Lamb back, and, they tr- and you know, once they get Hibber back, they get into some sort of a groove. Because Doug, I mean, the schedule's been been pleasant thus far, but it's about to pick up it's once bit- they get back from this trip in, in in Brooklyn.
0: Are you saying it's it's been sweet? It's been it's been a little cupcakey. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull uh, up the schedule now just to look ahead.
1: Well, they've got an interesting homestand coming up when they come back from Brooklyn. Um, I believe Indiana, Utah, Toronto.
0: Yeah, they come back November seventh. Pacers ninth. Jazz Raptors, and then they travel to play Cleveland, and mm-hmm. then travel to play the Minnesota Timberwolves. So just that five game mm-hmm. stretch full. Of of tough opponents, so that will tell. I think that will tell you a lot, and that takes you and that takes you to that ten game threshold where you can start to make some concrete judgments about about where the where the state of the team is currently.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like Indiana's having some issues, um, especially on defense, and but but Indiana, Utah, and Toronto all talented teams. Um, and, and, and unlike, you know, the last two opponents for the Hornets or the next or Philadelphia and Brooklyn, I mean, they're going to be able to match the talent, if not overall have, have better talent on those rosters. So you're going to know a lot more about this team this time next week, I would think.
0: All right. That's all the time we have for this edition of locked on Hornets. Uh, Check us out tomorrow when we'll have a preview with uh, the team over there at locked on nets. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. We just got two more five-star reviews on iTunes. Every single one of those reviews counts. It helps. Boom. It moves us up the ranking and allows other hardcore Hornets fans like you to find us. So please, if you haven't yet. And we're almost at 2,000 Twitter followers. That's a huge deal for us. We started with zero. Uh, well, our mothers, I think. We We started with two. Our moms. My, uh, mom. my
1: mom is all over Twitter. Uh,
0: um, but now we have 2,000, and it's a big milestone for us. So thank you to everyone who follows us on Twitter. Uh, shoot us your Hornets thoughts or questions to Twitter at Locked On Hornets or buzz at lockedonhornets.com via email. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.
2: So what is I like to stay up late and
0: watch TV. on caffeine and then
2: go to Coke and Pepsi. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how.
0: Napa know-how.
2: At participating Napa auto parts stores, while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17